it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tonight was AEW Revolution, and it was a very big night. If you are a young star on the AEW roster, if you are an AEW original, this was a big night. We had MJF going over tonight. We had Hangman Page walking out with a win. We had the Guns retaining their tag team titles. We had Wardlow winning the TNT Championship. We had Jamie Hayter retaining her AEW Women's Championship. We had Jungle Boy going over. We had Ricky Starks going over. There was a very clear message tonight being sent by Tony Khan, putting over his young stars, putting over the young pillars of his company here on this show tonight. And coming into this show, we have had many Iron Man matches before, 30-minute Iron Man matches, 60-minute Iron Man matches. And the issue that you have when it comes to an Iron Man match is you're telling people in advance, no matter what happens, this match is going a certain length. No matter what happens, you're in, the, you're, you're in it for the long haul here. You're going the full hour. And it can be difficult sometimes, depending on who's in the ring, to keep things interesting for a full 60 minutes. You know, we've had Iron Man matches before, some that are better than others, but it's almost like you can ignore the first three quarters of the match because you think, well, the, the only thing that really matters is the closing five or ten minutes of the match. So, in effect, you're kind of, you know, putting yourself in a position where you're already handicapped uh, going in, unless you have people in the match who are very good at what they do and are very good at crafting and telling a story to keep people interested for a full 60 minutes. And when I think of, you know, some of the best Iron Man matches that people talk about, of course, everybody talks about Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12, uh, even though I, I've always thought that was a bit overrated, but they think of the Iron Man match from WrestleMania. They think of the Iron Man match between The Rock and Triple H, which up to tonight had been my all-time favorite Iron Man match from Judgment Day in 2000. Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle had a classic Iron Man match on television on SmackDown many years ago. And there have been others as well. Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle had a 30-minute one, and John Cena and Randy Orton had a pretty good one many years ago. Plenty of Iron Man matches. Tonight, March 5th, 2023, MJF and Brian Danielson went in there tonight in San Francisco, and they had, in my opinion, the greatest Iron Man match in wrestling history. These two went out there and delivered not only the greatest Iron Man match of all time, but one of the greatest AEW matches of all time. And we know what Brian Danielson can do. There's a reason why Brian Danielson is regarded as the best in the world, or one of the best in the world, right? His resume speaks for itself. He is truly a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best. And still there are people, fewer and fewer, but there are people who will look at MJF and go, I don't get it. I don't get it. He's, he's good on promos, but there ain't much else there. And I've been singing his praises for a while now. We've seen MJF have plenty of great matches, and there are still people out there who think, well, you know, in the ring, he's not that great. It's all about on the mic. Tonight, he shut down any naysayers that are still out there. Because he went out there for over 60 minutes, 65 minutes 
including overtime. And he hung in there with one of the very best in the entire world. And he wasn't sucking wind, and he wasn't dragging his ass around the ring. He was hanging in there with him every step of the way. This was MJF, the the greatest match of MJF's life, the longest match he's ever been in, and the greatest performance that he has put in since the beginning of AEW. MJF is still the AEW world champion after an outstanding main event. And I love the fact that not only did MJF win, and yes, he had to use nefarious means to do so because he's MJF and he's a fucking heel and that's what he's going to do, would have been very easy to have Brian Danielson all tied, you know, going into the sudden death period, one fall to a finish, pass out. He didn't pass out in his own hold, he tapped out. When was the last time you saw Brian Danielson tap out and lose a match that way? He put over MJF in the strongest way possible. And I think that that match highlighted what overall was a very enjoyable, very fun pay-per-view on the whole. An excellent revolution. We also had the return of FTR. They're back in AEW. They showed up after the tag team title match to confront the Guns, setting up a future championship match there. We had Texas Death between John Moxley and Hangman Page. And you had to know what this was going to be coming into the show. You knew it was going to be bloody. You knew it was going to be brutal. You knew it was going to be violent. You knew there was going to be weapons, barbed wire, and tables and chairs. We also had forks and bricks. And if that's your thing, this match was right up your alley. They gave you all of that and then some. But in the end, it was Hangman Page going over, and I think that's significant because now, as we look ahead to the question of who challenges MJF next for that AEW world title heading into Double or Nothing, the name that I come back to, especially after tonight, is Hangman Page. I think that he probably is going to be next in line for a shot at that championship. And of course, there's another name out there who I think will also match up with MJF. That's a little bit further down the road. That's Adam Cole who's going to be making his in-ring return later on this month on Dynamite. I I think it's a little too soon to jump into MJF and Adam Cole. I don't see that happening until maybe Chicago, all out. But I think the stage is being set for MJF and Hangman Page coming out of the show. We also have new trios champions. Finally. They finally did it. The House of Black has gold in AEW. Tony Khan is finally doing something with the House of Black after so long doing nothing. It was so nice to see Malachi Black out there holding up a championship. It was the right move to make. We also had, of course, the opening matches with Chris Jericho against Ricky Starks, Jungle Boy and Christian Cage, two feuds that have been going on for a very long time. There were several different stories tonight that felt like this was the big climax to those stories. I don't want to see Ricky Starks and the Jericho Appreciation Society anymore. I don't know that we're going to be seeing Jungle Boy and Christian Cage anymore. Hangman Page seems to have closed the book on John Moxley. That was the other uh, takeaway, I guess you would say, from Revolution tonight. It should be the closure of a lot of stories and now the beginning of many new stories as we build towards Double or Nothing. The build to a lot of these matches coming into this show just felt very flat, especially that trios match. Never any doubt that when you put the Elite and the House of Black in the ring together, they were going to go out there and tear the house down, which is what they did. But I wasn't feeling the promotion of this show, except the main event, 
because that's the best built story on AEW television in months. Wasn't really feeling it. Now it's a clean slate. We had an excellent show tonight. Now it's a clean slate. We start new on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, we got, we got a lot to talk about here. I am the Solid Monster. This is your AEW Revolution 2023 review. So let's get into it here. They made it official. Double or nothing coming back to Las Vegas. They're going to be at the T-Mobile Arena on Sunday, May 28th. Uh, that is going to be the next AEW pay-per-view. We had the zero-hour pre-show. Uh, we had one match on the pre-show tonight before the uh, pay-per-view went live. It was Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros taking on Josh Woods, Tony Nese, and Ari Divari. Uh, I thought this was a fun match. Uh, Briscoe's, Lucha Bros, I don't know if, you know, you could say, well, it's the first match on the show. Uh, so, of course, everybody is going to be excited and going to want to cheer whoever comes out first. But Mark Briscoe is... Big time over. The Lucha Bros are big time over. And so uh, this is a fun match here. They did a spot here uh, in this match where smart Mark Sterling, he distracted the referee, and Davari hit Briscoe with Sterling's tablet that he carries around with him. And it was a pretty convincing near fall, but Mark Briscoe did kick out. Mark Briscoe ended up winning it for his team with the froggy bow. Mark Briscoe is just fun to watch. The only thing is, it's sad that it took a tragedy to get Mark Briscoe on AEW television. I wish that uh, did not happen that way, but I am glad that we get to see him on TV. As far as the rest of the kickoff show, uh, they went back and forth between RJ City and Renee Paquette, interviewing various people, which was pretty bad, actually, uh, I thought. but. I, I I think it is better than just sitting here through match after match after match uh, and getting exhausted before the pay-per-view even goes on the air. So I, I kind of like the format of having that one pre-show match and then you just kind of run promo packages around it for the big matches on the pay-per-view. I'm, I'm fine with that format, uh, but if you, if you did not see the six-man tag, there was not anything else to see on this pre-show. So the pay-per-view opened with absolute Ricky Starks, in my opinion, one of the young pillars of this company, taking on Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. Uh, Jericho took most of the match. Uh, Ricky was selling the ribs. He had uh, tape around his ribs. Ricky tried for a spear. Jericho caught him with a code breaker. That got Jericho a great near fall. Ricky did finally hit the spear, and he got a near fall of his own. Jericho got the walls locked in. Ricky countered out of that into a single-leg crab. Here comes Sammy Guevara. And Sammy Guevara comes jogging down to the ring, even though the JAS is banned from ringside. We have Sammy Guevara attempting to interfere in this match. So Action Andretti took out Sammy Guevara. For some reason, Aubrey Edwards was distracted by this. And she was focused on the two men who were not part of this match, who never even hit the ring, who were brawling on the outside. It's none of her business. Why would Aubrey be watching what's going on outside the ring when there's a match going on? I don't know. But Aubrey was distracted by that. It made no sense. So while she's uh, preoccupied by that, that gave Jericho a chance to hit Ricky in the ribs with the baseball bat. Jericho went for the Judas effect after that, but Ricky got his arm up. Literally put his arm up like that to block the Judas effect. 
and he ended up getting Jericho up for the Rochambeau and pinned him. Uh, absolutely the right outcome with uh, Ricky now becoming one of the very few. I was trying to think if there was anybody else. I'm sure there has been someone, but uh, one of the very few to get back-to-back wins over Chris Jericho. And I said coming into the show, you want to really show people that Ricky Starks is the real deal and that you have faith in him and you're getting behind him, then you give him two clean wins or, or two wins over Jericho. There's no reason to trade wins back and forth. You want to reaffirm that the win he got on television back in January was not a fluke. You have him beat Jericho again at Revolution. And that's exactly what they did. And that was the correct outcome here. And the fans treated Ricky like a star, which is great. Keep the momentum going. Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is one of the names, I would say, when we hit the year mark, because I think MJF is going the rest of the year as the AEW champion into the beginning of next year. And I think Ricky Starks, now a lot can happen in the next nine months, but I think Ricky Starks is going to be one of those few names when the time comes to start talking about who takes the title off MJF, you could talk about people like Darby Allen, Wardlow, come back to the Wardlow MJF story. Ricky Starks is going to be on that list. Ricky Starks, in fact, might be my early suggestion for who takes the title away from MJF. But that's for later on down the road. The key now is to keep the momentum going. The feud with Jericho now hopefully is over. Right? Don't don't keep Ricky off television for weeks and have him disappear like so many other people. Keep him on television and move him into whatever that next feud, whatever that next program is going to be. Ricky is one of those guys that needs to be protected and built because he could be AEW world champion by next year. Things were left unsettled with him and MJF. You could easily, a year from now, you could easily come back to that. This could be the revolution main event next March. So this was the correct outcome. And by the way, speaking of revolution, Chris Jericho, in all the years of AEW, has yet to win a match at Revolution. Jericho is now 0 for 4 on this pay-per-view. We had the final burial match between Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. They had a casket on the stage off to the right uh, that was over a small grave, little dirt mound, and they had a shovel there. And the rules were that to win the match, you had to place your opponent inside the casket and slam the lid shut. So it was less of a, uh, a buried alive match and more of a casket match is really what it was. Jungle Boy wrestled in jeans. Christian wrestled. This is, this is amazing. Christian wrestled in a sleeveless turtleneck, which is quite the choice for a wrestling match. <laughs> I used to look at, uh, there, were, there were guys who would wrestle in like a, a shirt and tie, like IRS, right? Would wrestle in a shirt and tie. Or, or back in the right to censor days, all those guys would wrestle in a shirt and tie. And I'm like, why the fuck would you want to wrestle in a shirt and tie? Right? I get it's part of the gimmick. I, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it would be to be wrestling and sweating in a turtleneck. But that's what Christian was wearing here in this match. Jungle Boy was whipping him. Uh, he was whipping this guy like the guy owed him money. Christian tried running away through the crowd. He was right. Christian was running up the steps like one of these girls from the horror movies who uh, like running away from the villain as slow as possible. So, of course, Jungle Boy, it wasn't hard for him to catch up to Christian. Back in the ring, Christian went on the offense, didn't last very long. 
I love the intensity from from Jungle Boy here because this is one of those matches where it couldn't be the bell rings and you get a collar and elbow tie up, right? This had to be a fight. This had to be this guy. Think of all the shit that Christian has put Jungle Boy through and all the stuff he said about his father, his dead father, right? Jungle Boy was out there acting like this guy, you know, this guy had a death wish and he was going to put this guy in a hole in the ground. So I love the intensity that we got from him. He also, by the way, gave Christian a headbutt uh, on the outside at one point. He gave him a headbutt right to the face that busted open Christian Hardway right above the eye. So that was the first blood, first blood uh, that we had on this show. It would not be the last. There was plenty more of that to come. Christian whipped Jungle Boy with his own belt, dragged him up onto the stage. Christian opened the casket. And there were a pair of chairs placed inside the casket. He tried for a kill switch on one of the chairs. Jungle Boy, though, shoved him off the stage. Then he did a big cannonball dive down onto Christian. They were back on stage, and Jungle Boy had the chair raised over his head. This is where he hesitated a few weeks ago. Remember, he was going to give him the concerto. And Jungle Boy had second thoughts. He was uh, questioning whether or not he can bring himself to do it. And that was when Christian, of course, Hit him in the nuts. So here was his chance to uh, give him the kill switch. And Christian kicked him in the crotch. You would think by now this guy would be wearing a cup, but he was not. So he kicked him in the crotch. He got Jungle Boy inside the casket, tried to shut the lid. Jungle Boy fought out. Christian threw dirt in his eyes and then hit the kill switch on the dirt. And Christian, he tried for a concerto. Jungle Boy rolled out of the way. He got the snare trap locked on with the uh, handle of the shovel wedged in Christian's mouth. Kind of a page out of the Edge playbook when Edge was breaking off the bottom part of the steel chairs, remember, and using that on people when he would uh, put them in the crossface. So now it was Jungle Boy's chance here, finally, to make up for that hesitation from a few weeks ago. This time he absolutely bashed his brains in with this concerto. He beat the shit out of Christian with this concerto. He dragged Christian into the casket. He took forever. He even gave him a kiss on the forehead. Finally, Jungle Boy slammed the lid shut. And I thought it was cool because as soon as he slammed the lid shut, uh, the casket fell. Like it plummeted down into the hole. Uh, I was a little bummed we didn't get a full-on Buried Alive match. I was uh, I was kind of looking forward to that. It's just one of my uh, guilty pleasure match stipulations. Uh, but I thought they mixed the two stipulations uh, nicely. Uh, more importantly, that's back-to-back matches here to open the show with the veteran putting over the, uh, the AEW original. And again, sometimes you want the veteran to go over. It's not like well, the veteran should lose all the time, but you look at so many of these stories... And you look at a guy like a Ricky Starks, and you look at a guy like a Jungle Boy. Now is the time to be putting these people over. So yes, it was appropriate for Chris Jericho to lose. It was appropriate for Christian Cage to lose. And guess what? They can afford to do that. They don't lose a damn thing. But Ricky Starks gains a lot when he beats Chris Jericho twice. Jungle Boy gains a lot with a big singles win. Jungle Boy's going around saying, I'm going to win singles championship gold this year. Well, it's... If you're going to win singles championship gold, you got to start by beating somebody like Christian Cage, and that's what he did. So I thought that was uh, very appropriate. Christian did his job in making Jungle Boy 
look like a, a bigger star. I thought this was an excellent match. I enjoyed this. Speaking of excellent matches, we had the Elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, defending the AEW World Trios titles against the House of Black. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I may not have been thrilled with the way they built this match. Spooky videos, the elite playing basketball. Not exactly a riveting build, but one thing I never doubted was that these two teams were going to go in there on pay-per-view and they were going to tear the house down. That is exactly what they did. And by the way, this was uh, this was watching Kenny Omega and Malachi Black in the ring doing spots early in this match only reinforced the uh, desire on my part to see these two have a program, a singles program together at some point this year. At some point, we need to get a singles program with Kenny Omega and Malachi Black. They've been doing the trio stuff, but I want to see both of them start to do more singles stuff. They don't have to abandon the trio stuff, but they should definitely be doing more in the singles ranks as well. Uh, Julie, Julia Hart was on the apron a little bit later on, and she got caught with a Kenny Omega V-trigger. Knocked her out, knocked her down to the floor. Omega turned around into a black mass kick. Malachi had the match won. Nick Jackson, though, broke up the pin. Dante's Inferno connected on Omega. Again, the Bucks broke it up. Brody King wiped out both Bucks on the floor with a suicide dive, and that is a big man to be doing a suicide dive. Brody King, one thing that came across very clearly during this match, uh, and they really put it over on commentary, is uh, Brody King is a big dude. He's a big, scary-looking guy who can move, and he's very agile, and he can do things in there that maybe you wouldn't expect him to be able to do. Brody King is very good. I know this is not going to be news to a lot of you who have been following his career, but he is, he is quite good. Now, I'm being told that in the post-show scrum, MJF just called out Hangman Page. Well, well, well I wonder who was just talking about that a few minutes ago. So there you go. There you go. I mean, it just seemed to be obvious coming out of this show. Hangman got a big win over John Moxley. MJF has the championship. I mean, there's your match, right? We'll, we'll see what else happens at the scrum. I'll keep you guys posted. So that left Kenny Omega alone. After uh, the Brody King suicide dive wiped out uh, Beavis and Butthead Buck outside the ring, that left all three members of the House of Black in the ring with one Kenny Omega. And he was outnumbered. The Bucks, though, did recover. 
and the Bucks broke up uh, what was going on with the Super Kick Party. BTE Trigger connected to Malachi, and the Elite had the match won, but Buddy Matthews broke up the pin. BTE Trigger connected on, uh, well, after the BTE Trigger connected on Malachi and the pin got broken up, the Bucks tried a Meltzer driver. Also not the first Dave Meltzer mention on the show tonight. We had one in the main event as well. Uh, so the Bucks went for the Meltzer driver. Buddy Matthews, though, absolutely wrecked Nick Jackson in midair. I don't think he could have connected any more perfectly than he did. He wrecked him in midair. He As Nick Jackson was flipping through the air, he caught him with a knee strike. And that took him down. After that, they planted Matt Jackson with Dante's Inferno, and they pinned him to win the AEW World Trios titles. The House of Black finally has gold in AEW. Uh, this was an excellent match. I thought one hell of a closing stretch, uh, and it's about damn time. It's about damn time that they did something with the House of Black. It's long overdue. Now, I assume that the Elite are going to get a rematch at some point, and that this is not the last that we are going to see. I'm not saying we need another Best of Seven series. Uh, I certainly would not mind a rematch between these two teams and then the House of Black can win again. <laughs> so I don't know that this is the end of it, but again, I would like to see Kenny Omega doing more single stuff. And there was something that struck me, uh, you know, besides, besides that rock that hit me in the head when I was a child. Something struck me as I was paying attention to the commentary. Uh, Excalibur made it a point to mention how upset Don Callis was after the match. Callis was on commentary when the match was over, he went down to ringside to check on Kenny Omega. And it wasn't Omega who took the losing fall in the match. Uh, but they have been doing an angle for a while where they have been referencing that Don Callis has been scouting Kanosuke Takeshita. And clearly that's leading somewhere. Part of me thinks it would be foolish to turn Takeshita heel because he's so beloved, right? He's so over as a babyface right now. I don't think you need to turn Takeshita anytime soon. But they are doing this angle with Don Callis, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be going somewhere. And as I talk more about I want to see Kenny Omega doing more singles matches, that right there could be a great story to tell. Where maybe Don Callis loses faith. The result, he's losing faith in Kenny Omega, and he's trying to recruit Takeshita, and it could lead to something with Omega and Takeshita. And we get a story, we get an eventual match, and Omega could do his part, as Jericho did his part tonight with Ricky Starks, and Christian did his part tonight with Jungle Boy. Maybe this could be Kenny Omega's you know, opportunity to work with someone like Takeshita and try to elevate him to that next level. And Don Callis can sort of be the uh, connective tissue there as far as the, uh, the story. So that's, that's just an idea that I was thinking about. It could be a direction they're going in, I don't know. Uh, but I certainly would love to see it. I think Omega and Takeshi would be fantastic. Uh, at this point, Jim Ross, who was on commentary for the first uh, three matches on this show, his evening was done. It was time for bed. And so they brought Tony Schiavone back out. He had been on the pre-show. They brought Tony Schiavone back out to replace JR on commentary. We had the triple threat match at this point. For the AEW Women's Championship with Jamie Hayter defending against Soraya and Ruby Soho. Ruby was rocking a green mohawk. Tonight's all about green. Green, the, the color of the night 
is green. As you can see, we have green on screen right now. All right, a little bit of green in the Revolution logo. We have green in the chat with our little GWO. And there was a lot of green in Ruby Soho's hair. She had a green mohawk. That should have been a giveaway of what was to come here later on uh, in this match. This was not an ideal spot for the women to be placed in. Uh, having to follow the insanity of that trios match, I thought the action was good. Uh, again, just not not the most enviable position for them to be in here on this show. And I thought the timing of the angle that they did uh, at the end of this match was, it just came off to me as kind of silly. And I'll explain why here in a minute. Uh, there was a Tower of Doom spot with Soraya as the one standing tall. And then she got clobbered by a uh, Jamie Hayter lariat. Soraya hit a rampage. Soho hit the no future kick. And Jamie Hayter rolled up Ruby for the flash pin to retain the title. After the match, Tony Storm laid out Britt Baker and attacked uh, Jamie Hayter along with Soraya. They, the two of them attacked her. Ruby then came to their rescue. And she took Soraya and she took Tony Storm and she uh, deposited them through the ropes out of the ring. And she was talking trash, uh, you know, down to them and, you know, saying, you know, saying all kinds of stuff to them, trying to make it sound like, you know, she's not one of them, right? So then she's standing in the middle of the ring and she is raising the arm of Jamie Hayter. And at that point, you know, I I'm just, I'm just waiting for it. I'm just waiting for it at that point. And sure enough, she ends up laying out Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker with the no future kick. She has betrayed WC, or I mean AEW. She has betrayed AEW. Uh, outside the ring, Tony Storm beat up a cameraman, took his camera away from him and broke it. Soraya grabbed a can of green spray paint, handed it more green. Handed the green spray paint to Ruby Soho in the ring, and they sprayed the letter L on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, and then all three women left together. So. Ruby Soho has joined the AEWO. Uh, not surprising. We were talking about this. Uh, how long ago did I start talking about Ruby Soho uh, turning heel and joining with them, right? Probably a couple months ago. Uh, as an ex-WWE talent, much like Soraya and Tony Storm, it made sense that you would turn her, you would get a trio out of them, now things are set up perfectly for Hikaru Shida to sort of link up with Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter to even out the odds. Uh, because it was Soraya and Tony Storm who were treating Shida like shit for all those weeks. Now it can be three on three. So it only made sense for her to be the one to do it. But why I thought this came off silly is you have a match with all three of these women, right, competing for the women's championship. And instead of having Ruby and Soraya work together to try to neutralize Jamie Hayter and make sure that Jamie Hayter doesn't leave with the AEW women's title, if let's say the goal is to get the title away from her, bring the title into their little faction, that would have made sense, right? For them to kind of work together in a way and almost turn it into uh, a handicap match of sorts. Uh, but then they wouldn't have been able to do the big swerve, the big wrestling swerve. When the match was over, uh, not the first time we've seen that in wrestling. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, you know, we, we've never seen something like this before. We have. To me, though, it doesn't make it any less silly. 
that she's in there competing and wrestling and, and, and beating up this woman. And the whole time, I guess they were in cahoots, I guess, is the story. So I thought that was kind of silly. The match itself, the action, I thought was good. Finish came out of nowhere. Uh, not the best spot for them to be in after the, you know, it was basically like a come down match for the crowd in a way. Uh, but all I care about is that Jamie Hayter is still the champion. Because Jamie Hayter is great. Long may she reign. Next up was the Texas Death Match for, I guess, pride and respect and honor and bragging rights between John Moxley and Hangman Adam Page. The only way to win, by knockout or submission. Hangman was out to new music for one night only. Mikey Ruckus says that it's just a one-off song by the Outlaws called Riders in the Sky. For anybody wondering what the name of that song, as I was, wondering what the name of that song was, that's the name of the song. Riders in the Sky. It's a very uh, country feel to it. It did not take long for the blood to flow. The blood was flowing in this match like like, like the Nile. Didn't take very long. Hangman had a piece of barbed wire in his hands. And he was digging it into John Moxley's forehead. He was raking his forehead with the barbed wire until he started to bleed. And then he wrapped the barbed wire around his boot. He had a barbed wire boot. And he tried stomping on Moxley with it. That didn't really work. Moxley grabbed his own piece of barbed wire. He punched Hangman in the head with it. He started bleeding. You can, it's very interesting to see. Uh, Moxley bleeds in this match, and it looks like you know, it looks like how he bleeds every single week. You look at Hangman bleeding; it's like his blood dried with it. He's got like some some I don't know bad blood, maybe I don't know. His blood dried up within seconds. With Moxley, it's like liquid flowing down his face. Hangman, it dried up instantly. Uh, but they were both they were both bleeding at this point. Moxley grabbed a fork. He got hungry, so he grabbed the fork. And he got Hangman in a triangle. He started jabbing away at his head with the fork. This was sick. This was sick. This this was uh, Abdullah the Butcher reincarnated here. Moxley put him in a uh, single leg crab on top of a chair that was flat but wrapped in barbed wire. And then Hangman took a barbed wire chair shot to the back. Then we had Hangman wrapping uh, barbed wire around his body climbing up to the top rope and hitting an Orihara moonsault onto Moxley on the floor. Then we had bricks. So now we've gone from barbed wire to bricks. What's better than one brick? Two bricks. And Moxley uh, placed Hangman's hand. He sandwiched his hand in between the two bricks and he stomped on them. There was a dead eye after this by Hangman. Dropped Moxley headfirst onto a barbed wire wrapped chair. Uh, Moxley landed a bar. He landed on a barbed wire board because they had a couple of them set up outside the ring. And so Moxley ended up uh, landing on one of the barbed wire boards. And then after that, Hangman was up on the ropes. He got pushed off. He went through another barbed wire board that was set up between two chairs uh, outside the ring. Hangman tried for the buckshot lariat. Moxley countered into a death rider. And then he gave Hangman a curb stomp on one of the bricks. Paul Turner. Now, now, by the way, I should mention here, 
we had bricks in this match, right? And nobody got whacked in the head with one. But this guy just got his head stomped on one, right? Keith Lee had a cinder block placed on his on his belly, on his stomach. And we had Swerve Strickland come off the top rope and give him a double stomp onto the cinder block. Basically broke the cinder block over his midsection. And we didn't see Keith Lee for like over a month. Now, I know a cinder block is bigger than a brick. I get that. But how come it took over a month for Keith Lee to come back from that? But Hangman Page here, I mean, he was taking some abuse here from this brick, and he was just fine. Not only not only was he fine, he came back and won the match. I guess he's got those magical healing powers. I guess so. You know who I just noticed is dropping some Super Chat love, and I thank him for it tonight? Our boy Bulu Fatulu. I have not seen or heard from Bulu in so long. I was starting to worry about him, and then I saw his name pop up, and Bulu, I am so happy that you are with us tonight. I'm glad that you are okay. It's good to see Bulu back here on the live streams. That's awesome. I just caught that out of the corner of my eye. I said, boy, Bulu is with us tonight. When was the last time we had him? So again, curb stomped, uh, hangman on one of the bricks. Paul Turner begins to count, and he made it back up at the count of nine. Moxley locked in the rear naked choke, and he put out Hangman. But again, Hangman ended up making it back up to his feet. He hit Moxley in the head with another brick. Actually, he did hit him with a brick. (laughs) I take back what I just said. He hit him in the head with a brick. That's right. That's right. I guess both these men have uh, mutant healing powers here. Moxley had a chain around his neck, and he was Hangman was in position for a buckshot. And Moxley is standing in the middle of the ring, chain wrapped around his neck, and he's just flipping off Hangman. And he's standing there, and he's just ready to take the buckshot lariat. Hangman propels himself in. He hits the buckshot. Moxley gets back up to his feet. He didn't no-sell it, but he basically popped back up to his feet up against the ropes so that Hangman could clothesline him over the top rope. In doing so, Moxley ended up being hung by the chain around his neck over the top rope. And he's trying to pry the chain off. He can't breathe. And all of a sudden, John Moxley begins tapping out. He taps on his own shoulder to signal the submission, and that gives Hangman Page the win. Uh, It was not lost on me tonight that we had both members. And and look, I'm not even sure Brian Danielson is a member anymore of the Blackpool Combat Club. He's sort of been doing his own thing now for over a month. So maybe he isn't part of the BCC anymore, but he was. And here on the same night, on the same pay-per-view, look at what we had. Something we very, very rarely see. Brian Danielson tapping out and John Moxley tapping out. When was the last time that happened? I don't think that's ever happened. Both men tapping out on the same show. Uh, that was not lost on me when I saw that in the main event. Uh, I don't know why they called this a Texas death match. Um, they should have just called it a barbed wire brawl because that's basically what it was. This, this was a barbed wire massacre. (laughs) So I don't know why they didn't just call it that. Uh, look, if you, if you like the violence and the hardcore spots and the blood, look, this was right up your alley. This, this may end up being your match of the year. If this is your thing, then I don't see how you could, uh, could not like it, appreciate what these two did here. 
Uh, the fans loved it. I will say I was amused by some of the crowd shots during this match. I do think AEW and WWE both, uh, they have a nasty habit that they have developed of cutting to too many crowd shots, but they cut to certain crowd shots at the worst possible time. There is a spot that's about to happen. And instead of seeing the spot, they think that we're more interested in seeing the fans sitting down or standing there oh, with their with their mouths open, you know, posing for the camera. I don't give a shit what Henry looks like in the seventh row. Show me the fucking action. And I feel like in AEW especially, but WWE also, they're, they, they get too cute with it, with the crowd shots, right? There's a time and a place for that. But I, I can never understand when something's about to happen. And it's so clear that something is about to happen and they cut to the crowd. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you do? Of course, the all time worst of this is Edge's big return at the Royal Rumble in 2020. First time back in the ring in nine years. Slides into the ring. Dolph Ziggler is ready for the big spear. Edge goes for the first spear in, in all these years. And they cut to a crowd shot. Kevin Dunn cuts to a crowd shot. Dolph Ziggler had to go on Twitter the next day and ask people if they can send him, if anybody has footage of the spear, because he couldn't find it. It wasn't on Peacock. Please send it to me. That might be the all-time worst example of that. So uh, anyway, yeah. But I was amused by some of those crowd shots because they had people like when he started using the fork. uh, They did cut to some fans in the crowd who were disgusted. So some of those were amusing. I just think that they need to be a little more strategic in where they place those crowd shots. But this was a, look, this was a brutal, violent, uh, bloody spectacle of a match. And this was the perfect blow-off for this feud. And now Hangman Page would seem to be the first in line for a shot at the AEW world title coming out of this show. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We had Samoa Joe defending the TNT Championship, the king of television, putting his TNT title on the line against Wardlow, the former champion. They showed the face of the revolution, ladder match winner, Powerhouse Hobbs, who won the ladder match on Wednesday night. He was sitting up in the skybox with his uh, Sonic the Hedgehog coin. And they did say that he is going to get a TNT title match on Dynamite this Wednesday. Uh... If the ladies drew the short straw uh, having to follow that trios match, then these two guys here, they drew the shorter straw having to follow the bloody massacre that came before this. Uh, They did their best, but this was, you know, 
for for a match that was being built as long as this one was, right, which is at least a few months, and they did the injury angle because Wardlow was legitimately hurt, had to go away, came back, right, looking for revenge on Joe. This should have had more heat. This did not have the level of heat that I think they were expecting and that they were hoping for. Part of it is definitely the placement of the match coming after the Texas death match. Uh, that did not do them any favors. When, when this was over, it just felt like a match. Didn't feel like anything special. Uh, Joe worked over Wardlow's leg. Wardlow fought back, hit a, a spine buster and an F10. Joe ducked the lariat. He got the coquina clutch. Wardlow got the ropes. Joe tried his own uh, powerbomb symphony. Joe, Joe's standing there. He's mocking Wardlow. He's going to do his own powerbomb symphony. Wardlow escaped into a headbutt and a sleeper of his own, and they did the arm drop with Joe, and the arm fell three times, and the referee called for the bell, and Wardlow wins the TNT championship really out of nowhere. This was a very sudden finish that you could tell the people in the crowd. I wasn't expecting it. The people in the crowd... Uh, clearly, we're not expecting it either. Back to back chokeout finishes. You know, the difference is the other one was a tap out. This was a ref stoppage. Uh, but basically, the same uh, kind of uh, finish. And yet another example here on a night full of them of the AEW original going over on the WWE veteran. I thought the work was fine. Yeah, these two didn't do anything wrong as far as, uh, you know, the work and the story. They were telling, working over the leg, uh, it just was, it was dull, and it just didn't feel special in any way, and it's really sad to see Wardlow win the TNT title back, and people just not caring. I was paying attention to the reaction when he won, and again, maybe it's a little skewed because people just were kind of shocked. They weren't expecting the finish to, to come at that point. Had he hit the powerbomb symphony or, you know, Two or three power bombs on Joe. Maybe they would have reacted bigger. There was really not much of a reaction when Wardlow won the championship. You know, for what should have been such a big moment for him and him getting his revenge. I just think back to when he won the title last year. I think back to when he was white hot during that period of time in 2022, and just how sad it was to compare the reaction then to the reaction that he got here on this show. And it really illustrates, again, how far he has fallen. Not that he's not over, but he is not nearly as over as he was a year ago or nine months ago or six months ago. And that's a problem. And putting the TNT title on him could be a first step to you know, remedy that. Um, I want to believe that winning the title is, is Tony Khan finally taking steps to rebuild uh, what they have in Wardlow. But I just... I have a feeling that we're going to have a new TNT champion on Wednesday. I feel like Powerhouse Hobbs is going to get that belt on Wednesday. And it, I don't even hate on that idea, but I just don't know. I don't know that that's the best thing for Wardlaw. I could see him lose in some you know, nefarious way. Maybe Joe costs him the belt. And then Wardlow chases Hobbs. How many times is Wardlow going to chase the, the, uh, the TNT title, though? I just can't shake the feeling. I just have a feeling we're going we're gonna to get a Hobbs win on Wednesday night. You can't go wrong with Hobbs. I just don't know uh, what good that would do for Wardlow. We had a fatal four-way for the AEW Tag Team Championship. The Guns defending against the acclaimed Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. 
and Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. As I figured, they added these two teams to the match. Instead of just doing a regular tag match with the Acclaimed and the Guns, they added the two teams to spare the Acclaimed the losing fall. They didn't want to beat the Acclaimed. They didn't want to pin the Acclaimed. And what did I also say the other day, right? Of all the people in this match, why did they add these teams? Because Danhausen is probably going to be the one to take the losing fall. Guess who took the losing fall in this match? It was Danhausen. Uh, Satnam Singh got in the ring. He threw the guns outside. Danhausen tried to curse him. He tried to put the Danhausen curse on him. Sanjay Dutt shoved him away. Billy Gunn got inside. He hit the Famouser to Satnam Singh. The guns then low-blowed their father. Austin and Colton low-blowed their father, ensuring that there will be no brother-ass or sister-ass going forward. The acclaimed came after them. Max Caster hit the mic drop on Austin Gunn. Colton made the save. Bowens got sent into the crowd. Jay Lethal handed Jeff Jarrett the guitar. He had a bright red guitar on the show tonight. Caster avoided the shot. He tried for one of his own. Aubrey Edwards stopped him. Not sure why, since there shouldn't be a disqualification in a fatal four-way match. There shouldn't be, really, there are no disqualifications ever in this company. Very, very rare that you see a DQ. I think uh, maybe three times in the history of this company, I can remember there being a disqualification. Uh, But all of a sudden, we have Taz on commentary. When Jeff Jarrett starts shoving Aubrey Edwards... We have Jeff Jarrett, we have uh, Taz, rather, on commentary talking about, well, there could be a possible DQ here. You know, he's got to be careful. How, how would that work exactly? <laughs> please, please, Taz, please do explain. In, in what is not an elimination match, if Aubrey Edwards dis- uh, disqualified Jeff Jarrett for shoving her, how does that work in a fatal four-way match? It was never explained. And also, the other reason why that pissed me off Taz is talking about how Jeff Jarrett has to be careful not to get disqualified. This is after we saw Satnam Singh get involved, and we had Sanjay Dutt get involved, and we had Billy Gunn get involved. Apparently, none of that is a disqualification. But this would be a disqualification. Stupid. Doesn't make any sense. So the Guns hit their 310 to Yuma finish on Danhausen and pinned him to retain the titles. And you could you could feel the air just get sucked right out of the building as soon as the referee counted three. After the match was over, Renee got into the ring to conduct an interview with the tag team champions. The first time and the only time all night that Renee got into the ring to do an interview. So you knew, okay, angle alert, right? Something's something's gonna happen here, and it's probably gonna be you know who. And the guns said that uh, they are the best tag team in AEW. And all of a sudden, we hear FTR's music. And here comes FTR Bald and FTR Goatee. They walk out onto stage. Big reaction for uh, Dax and Cash. And they went to the ring. They slugged it out with the guns. Somewhere in here, Dax Harwood took uh, a shot to the face. I think it was in the uh, it was a punch from one of the guns. Uh, and he got busted open hard way, right on the side of his eye, and he started bleeding. And not like a little cut, like the entire side of his face was like full of blood. I'm like, what the hell? How did this happen? I had to go back and look. So Dax was, he wasn't wearing the crimson mask. He was wearing kind of like half a mask, kind of. 
And uh, they planted Colton with a spike pile driver, and then they hit Austin with the big rig, and they posed with the AEW tag team titles. Uh, the match did not um, hit the mark for me, but the return of FTR did. Uh, it's good to have them back. Remember, the guns threw a funeral for them on television before they left. So this was a program that, you know, when and if FTR came back, this is what they were going to come back to. They were going to come back to get revenge on Austin and Colton. PW Insider reported earlier that the belief was that FTR are locked into long-term deals with AEW, and their disappearance and tease of going somewhere else was all just a big storyline. So the whole idea that April is when their contracts were coming due, if this report is to be believed, uh, was all bullshit. And it sounds like they were locked into long-term deals the entire time. So FTR is back. And look, Ring of Honor tag team titles are gone. The IWGP tag team titles are gone. The AAA tag team titles are gone. It's time to get them back in the hunt. It's time to get those AEW tag team titles back around their waist. It is long overdue for them to get those belts back. This week's episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For those who don't know, data brokers are basically the middlemen when it comes to collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave behind when you're browsing online. From those footprints, they can stitch together profiles for you that include your browsing history, your online searches, and even your location data. And then they'll sell your profile to a third party who delivers you a targeted ad. You might hear that and go, well, that's the internet, right? Well, it might not sound like a big deal, but those same data brokers may be selling your info to Homeland Security and the IRS. I don't need Mike Rotunda showing up at my doorstep. He gets enough of my money as it is. So I protect myself with ExpressVPN. Your IP address is sort of the gateway for these data brokers to tie all of your data back to you. And your unique IP address also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden. That makes it much harder for these brokers to figure out who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. That's why I have the ExpressVPN app downloaded on all my devices. All I do is tap one button to turn it on, and I'm protected. It's just that easy. So make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com slash solomonster right now and get three extra months free through my special link. That's expressvpn.com slash solomonster, expressvpn.com slash solomonster to learn more. And that brought us to the main event, 60 Minutes Iron Man Match for the AEW World Championship with MJF defending against the American Dragon. Brian Danielson. MJF got a symphony orchestra entrance. A bunch of people came walking out. They stood on the ramp. They were all wearing these uh, black eye masks. And they started strumming the MJF song that you heard here at the beginning of this very stream, in fact. A good piece of music. Called uh, Dig Deep. If you were wondering what the name of the song is, it's called Dig Deep. So they started uh, playing MJF's song, and then they uh, transitioned into his regular theme music. MJF came to the ring wearing the uh, Black Devil mask, if you remember when he came back at All Out back in September. 
Uh, he was wearing that black devil mask on his face, so he came out with that. It was, it was a black mask, but, you know, he's he's the white devil, is uh, MJF. He is uh, El Diablo Blanco. So early in the match, MJF was stalling, and he retreated into the crowd, and he got up in a woman's face. She had a drink in her hand, and he snatched the drink out of the woman's hand, and he splashed it on what appeared to be her son. I assume it was her son. And the, and the reaction, the, the look on this woman's face, like her jaw dropped, and I just laughed. I thought that was great. But one of these days, he's going to pull a stunt like that on the wrong person. And it's not going to end well for him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, there there are some people out there, whether they uh, realize it's part of the show or not, who might not react so calmly in this situation. So you really need to be careful with that sort of thing. I thought it was tremendous, though. But uh, yeah, one of these days, he's going to pay for that. Then, got back over the barricade. He's walking around ringside. He looks dead in the camera. And he says, oh, no, is this going to cost me a star, Dave? He said, maybe I won't win the Brian Danielson Award. You know who won the Brian Danielson Award this year? Brian Danielson. Congratulations to Brian Danielson. Were there people who thought the fan was a plant? I, I, I don't know why people would have thought that. It looked like a real fan to me. No, I don't, I don't believe it was a planted fan. So they were taking their time here because they, again, they knew they had 60 minutes to go. So you had a lot of stalling at the beginning and posing and posturing. But that doesn't mean they were half-assing it out there either, right? They were they were going back and forth. They were exchanging holds and uh, they were, you know, rolling pin attempts. And the fans were into it. You know, the fans were, were hanging with them. 26 minutes into this match, Danielson scored the first fall after hitting the Busaiku knee. And with no rest period, because that was one of the things in this match, there were no rest periods. They said that at the very beginning. So if there was a fall, it wasn't a situation where you have to wait 30 seconds or 60 seconds. Like, you can go right into the next fall, which is not anything that I don't think we've ever seen in an Ironman match before. That was kind of a, a little a bit of a different twist on it. So with no rest periods, uh, he immediately set up for another uh, running knee, but MJF dropped down to the mat to avoid it. And when Danielson came over, MJF delivered a low blow. And he did this right in front of the referee. So all of this happened so quickly, though. Uh, we didn't even know if he had been disqualified because he went for uh, the pin. He pinned Brian Danielson. After the low blow, he pinned Danielson. Now, again, there's no rest periods. So as soon as he pinned him, he covered him again. And he got a second pinfall. So that's two pinfalls for MJF. And he had been disqualified. He was disqualified for the low blow. It was not clear right away that he was DQ'd. But basically the story is he ate the, uh, he ate the DQ. He basically traded one fall for two, right? He got himself disqualified, but he got two pinfalls out of it. And that knotted them both up. Uh, so we were, we were all evened up at two falls apiece at that point. Uh, what they really should have done is had Justin Roberts jump on the mic, I think, just to clarify. Uh, you could tell people in the crowd were confused. There were people with their hands up like, wait, what just happened? 
So I think it would have been helpful to have Justin Roberts just make, because he did some time calls during the match, but just to have him say, you know, uh, the referee has disqualified MJF for, uh, you know, low-blowing Brian Danielson, or just something like that, just to clarify. Because you could tell there was definitely some uh, confusion, but it was a clever spot. It's not anything that we've seen done in an Ironman match before. So 37 minutes into this match, MJF hit a big flying elbow drop off the top rope that put Danielson through the timekeeper's table outside. And Danielson barely made it back into the ring before the count of 10. So MJF brought him back outside. He gave him a leaping tombstone pile driver, threw some of the table debris on the floor. Uh, but in doing so, MJF grabbed his own knee, started screaming in pain. That cut Brian's forehead open. Because you knew Brian was going to bleed, right? It's one of the reasons why he came to AEW in the first place. Literally, told Vince McMahon, I want to bleed. And Vince said, well, you can't bleed. He said, well, then I can't be here anymore. So from the leaping tombstone on the shards of wood, uh, he got cut open on his forehead. Back in the ring, MJF hit the Heat Seeker DDT. He scored a third fall to go up 3-2 to two in this match. And then he took another water break outside. He took several water breaks here during this match. So then he shouted. He's in the ring. He's yelling at Danielson. Danielson's on his knees. And MJF is shouting at him. He's calling himself, I'm the best in the world. He told Danielson, you fucking suck. <laughs> uh, then he told him to say hi to Birdie and Buddy as he ripped at Brian's head wound. He blew snot on Brian. That was an old Chris Benoit thing where you hold one nostril, you fucking blow snot on the other guy. So then Brian, uh, they ended up outside. Brian reversed MJF into the ring post with 15 minutes left in the match. With 12 minutes left, Brian hit the diving headbutt, and MJF got opened up big time. Now, if he cut himself, I didn't see it, but he ended up with a pretty nasty lump on his head. So I'm guessing that uh, their heads connected. Hard way on that spot. Uh, but he was, I mean, when I say he was wearing a crimson mask, he was wearing a crimson mask more than Moxley or Hangman in their Texas deathmatch. He was bleeding, leaking blood. And Brian hit the Busaiku knee, locked on the regal stretch. Little uh, homage to his mentor, right, who MJF put in the hospital. And MJF tapped out with 10 minutes left to go. Brian tried for another regal stretch. MJF got the salt of the earth applied to the bad arm. Danielson tra uh, transitioned into the label lock, or at least he tried to. MJF fought it. Brian finally got it in the center of the ring. MJF managed to roll out of it and back into the salt of the earth arm breaker. Brian tried to fight out of it. Max got him all twisted and contorted into a pretzel. Brian, though, managed to get his foot on the bottom rope. So we got a five-minute time call from Justin Roberts at this point. And all of a sudden, boy, these two came alive, right? There was this renewed sense of urgency, and they started slugging it out. Brian wrecked him with a running forearm shot. MJF came back with another heat seeker. Danielson kicked out at uh, two and a half when he went for the pin. MJF kept going for the water outside. This finally got a chant of H2O because he had got... He had gone for the water so many times here in this match. Uh, now they were chanting H2O at him. They ended up on the ropes. 
And MJF did a spot that really pissed me off the first time I saw him do this. It was actually at Daly's place a few years ago uh, in a match with Sammy Guevara. He gave him a tombstone pile driver off the middle rope. And I remember watching that match. He hit the middle rope tombstone, and it wasn't the finish. The match just kept going. And I remember, man, that fucking pissed me off. So he did the spot again here. Tombstone pile driver to Brian Danielson off the middle rope. This time, though, MJF grabbed his knee, and he could not follow up immediately to get the pin. I still hate that being used as anything but a finish. But at least in this case, he was selling the knee. He couldn't follow up right away. That gave uh, Brian a chance to recover. We got chance of fight forever. So either these people really like this match, or they've grown very impatient waiting for the video game. MJF had, again, he had a disgusting lump on his head from the top rope headbutt earlier. And now, with a minute left in this match, and this is the great part about the Iron Man matches, right? Even, even the boring ones. Eventually, you get down to the last 90 seconds, the last 60 seconds, right? And if it's close, or it's tied up, that's where the drama comes from, right? And people are looking at the clock, what's going to happen? So we got that final 60-second uh, call here in this match. And Danielson got a single leg cramp. Max made the crawl. Brian, though, dragged him right back to the center of the ring. They were all tied up still. MJF, he was biting his fist, you know, to try to stop himself from tapping out. We had 15 seconds left. Then we had 10 seconds left. Then we had five seconds left. And the clock counted down to zero. As soon as the clock hit zero and we heard the bell, MJF started just feverishly tapping out. And Justin Roberts announced the time had expired. And since they were tied at three falls apiece, the match therefore was a draw. And still, your M or uh, your MJF champion, your AEW world champion, MJF. And Doc Sampson hit the ring with an oxygen tank. And he put the oxygen mask on MJF. And he actually put it on correctly this time, unlike uh, Double or Nothing last year, where he put it on upside down. I hope that the AEW medical crew never has to treat me for anything. Probably take a, take the oxygen mask and put it on my balls or something. But he put the oxygen mask on MJF. I mean, you would think this guy was about to drop dead in the middle of the ring. So somebody starts talking. We can't hear it, but we hear Tony Schiavone. He's like listening to someone or interacting with someone. Like he's getting a message on his headset from someone. And Tony Schiavone says, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to make that announcement, right? And he put the headset down, and he makes his way down to the ring. So Commissioner, Commissioner Schiavone over here, he relays a message to Justin Roberts and to the referee, Bryce Remsburg. And Justin Roberts announces that Tony Khan would not allow this match to end in a draw. And so, therefore, we are going into sudden death overtime. Everybody cheered. Everybody got excited. MJF shoved the referee, who shoved him back, right into a roll-up by Danielson, but MJF kicked out. Then he grabbed the referee, right? So he, he got him. And while that's going on, MJF lifted his leg behind him, and he delivered a low blow to Danielson, which the referee did not see. He rolled him up. Brian kicked out. So MJF went and grabbed the big Burberry belt. and. Remsburg saw this, and he got in between MJF and Danielson. And he said, look, 
you use that belt, I will disqualify you. And that makes Brian Danielson the new champion. So he stepped aside and said, you want to use it? Go ahead. Be my guest. You want to use the title? Go right ahead. So he allowed Bryce to take the title. And when Remsburg went to go uh, deposit the belt on the outside, MJF pulled out the Dynamite Diamond Ring. And he took a swing and he missed. Brian then hit another Busaiku knee. And he stacked MJF for the pin. This was a tremendous near fall. This was the best near fall of the match, the best near fall of the night. Kicked out at the very last second. They, he had the fans convinced that we had a new champion here. Brian got another single leg crab applied. MJF, he was banging the mat. Remember, banging, banging mats and banging rats and whatever else he bangs. He's banging the mat. Banging the mat is not the same as tapping out. So he grabs the bottom rope for the rope break. And then he starts tapping out, right? So he's got one hand on the rope, and he starts tapping out with the other hand. Danielson lets go of the hold. He thinks he won because his back is turned. He hears the tap. He doesn't realize, though, that MJF got the rope break. So he's, again, he's got his back turned. He thinks he's, he's won the match. The referee is trying to explain to him what happened. Meanwhile, MJF rolls out to the floor. And there, sitting on the floor outside, is the oxygen tank. So now we know why they introduced the oxygen tank earlier, right? And he's got this devilish look on his face. Like I said, El Diablo Blanco. I'm going to start calling MJF the white devil. Brian reaches through the ropes to try to pull MJF back into the ring. And when he does so, he whacks Brian in the head with the oxygen tank. Referee doesn't see this. And he hid the evidence underneath the ring. MJF then gets inside. He applies Brian's own label lock. And he looked to be unconscious. The hand dropped once. The hand dropped twice. And then on the third attempt, the hand went down a little bit, but it stayed up. And the crowd popped huge because he still had life. Danielson still had life in him. But MJF never let go of the hold. So he still had the submission applied. He was wrenching back even harder on it. Brian Danielson did something that I can't remember the last time he did this in a match. Brian Danielson tapped out. And MJF won the match by submission. 65 minutes into this to retain the AEW World Heavyweight Championship in sudden death overtime. And I can sit here now and, and sometimes, you know, we, we talk about these things and it's still so fresh in our mind. It's, it's kind of this recency bias. And we'll see six months from now if I change my mind. But I can sit here right now and tell you that, in my opinion, this is the greatest Iron Man match in wrestling history. Not the greatest 60-minute match. The greatest Iron Man match that I have ever seen. And my all-time favorite Iron Man match is Rock and Triple H at Judgment Day 2000, which I just think is a fun match, right? I mean, it, it's not technically the most technically sound uh, wrestling match, but to me, it's the most fun. I think it's the best one uh, until now. This gets my vote as the greatest Iron Man match of all time. And I like the fact that Brian Danielson tapped out instead of passing out. You know, even though MJF had a resort to cheating, uh, it's a bigger feather in his cap that he made the, he made the great Brian Danielson do something that he very rarely does in tapping out in, instead of simply passing out. He put him over even stronger by doing so. You save moments like that for special occasions. 
and for special talents that you want to put over in the strongest possible way. MJF is one of those talents. MJF is the world heavyweight champion. He is the face of this company and likely will be for many years to come, no matter what he says. If ever there was a time to have Brian Danielson go in there and tap out to somebody, tonight was the night. MJF is the man in this company. He's the guy. So if you're going to do it, you do it for somebody like him. I thought it was appropriate and, again, very selfless of Danielson to go in there and do that. We had Danielson and Moxley both tapping out to their opponents on the show tonight and now going into Double or Nothing, I believe. And apparently this was confirmed by somebody uh, earlier who uh, said that MJF brought his name up at the scrum uh, while I was speaking. But um, Hangman Page is probably going to get the next shot at the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. And looking further down the line, I think Adam Cole will be in line for a shot, maybe in Chicago at All Out. Of course, we still have to see what happens with CM Punk and what his status is going to be. It's possible CM Punk comes back. Uh, And they can do the match with uh, him and MJF that they originally wanted to do at full gear. That's always possible. But there's no shortage of opponents for MJF over these next 12 to 18 months. You've got Hangman. You've got Cole. You've got potentially Punk. I pitched an idea a couple weeks ago, since this is going to be Sting's last year, that you do MJF and Sting, even if it's a TV match. Title against career. Why do you do it? Because it then leads into Darby Allin and MJF. and You can do a program with the two of those uh, guys. You can do Wardlow and MJF. You could do Ricky Starks and MJF. There are no shortage of potential challengers for him over these next 12 to 18 months. And no, I don't believe that MJF is leaving on January 2nd, 2024. I don't think Tony Khan would have brought him back and put the belt on him if he wasn't locked up a lot longer than January 1st. So the stage is set now for what should be a very interesting year for MJF. But to me, easily the best match of his career and the longest match that he has ever been in. And hopefully he shut up whatever doubters were left. I don't know. I don't know why there would have been doubters left who who doubt his in-ring ability. Uh, I know because he does. He is known for his promos. It's easy to overlook, and we don't get to see him wrestle very often. I joked a few weeks ago. I said, "Boy, I wonder how MJF got the Brock Lesnar schedule because uh, we don't see him wrestle very often. You know, we on television hardly ever, and that could be part of it. People just don't get to see him enough." to judge, but he is very, very good. And tonight he hung in there with the best in the world. And to me, there's no greater accomplishment than that. So anybody who had any lingering doubts about MJF being in the top spot, at least as far as his uh, in-ring performance is concerned, uh, should have been silenced by what they saw tonight. This was an outstanding main event. Uh, To cap off what I thought overall was an excellent revolution. I, I very much enjoyed this show. Let's take a look at the Twitter poll. And it looks like you guys enjoyed the show also. To the tune of 84% thumbs up. We got uh, 9% thumbs in the middle and 7% thumbs down. So, again, you could always vote in these polls at Solomonster on Twitter is the place to go for that. So uh, please go ahead and vote. Now we get to take a look at your super chats and see what you guys thought. Hello, uh, of the show tonight. So go ahead and drop one here. Thank you, by the way, to everybody, all the new subscribers, all the new channel members. Don't forget, we have uh, 
those new emojis. You might notice, by the way, uh, if you are a channel member, you might have a red skull next to your name. I believe that is for our 12 month and above members. And anyone who's at 24 months, I believe you have a yellow skull next to your name. Uh, the green skull is for 36 months or more. I don't think we've had memberships open for 36 months. So nobody has the green skull just yet. But the longer you are a channel member, the uh, the newer your badge will be. So just be aware of that. But uh, let's go into your super chats here and uh, see what you guys are talking about. Uh, we got Mr. Mackincock. Drew Mackincock is with us tonight. Is uh, heading to the show right now. I hope it delivers. Thank you for all the great content. Yeah, he was going to the show, so I don't know if Drew is with us in the chat, but uh, I would imagine that Drew probably had a good time on the show tonight. Uh, B Vincent eighty six with the ten dollars super chat uh, was not really excited about the pay per view coming in, but it turned out to be a really, really good show. Uh, Elite against House of Black was my match of the night. Yeah, for me, for me, it has to be the Iron Man match. Uh, Link Lex 7. Whatever happened to Hikaru Shida? She was the catalyst that started this entire AW Originals against Divas storyline. I, I don't know if she went back to Japan for a period of time. I, I think she's still around. So now that Ruby is turned, I would expect her to show up on TV and uh, kind of unite with... Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. I would be surprised if we don't see her back on TV this week. Uh, Clapstick 77. The Orange Cassidy stuff with the hands in the pockets has got to stop. It was neat at first, but it looks like an absolute clown show. Uh, Old Dirty Sausage. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I like this Revolution pay-per-view even better than last year's. Top to bottom, great stuff, and crazy Iron Man match. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, anonymous with the $5 super chat. Solomonster, when AEW has good shows like this, are the lackluster stories and builds still a problem? Keep on killing it, fans, since the TV tracks days. Thank you, Anonymous. Yeah, it is still a problem, I think, because... You know, we have to watch the week-to-week television, right? It, it's nice to get that that pay-per-view at the end of it, but we're still watching, you know, the, the Dynamite shows week-to-week. Some people watch Dynamite and Rampage. I mean, I watch Rampage, too. I just don't watch it live. But, you know, you have to sit through the television. You want the television to be interesting and compelling. And, yeah, I think it does matter. I, I never doubted that the, the matches would deliver. But the majority of what we watch 
it's the development of the stories week to week. And if it's weak or it's not interesting, then that sucks. So yes, I, I think it's still uh I think it still matters. Uh LaShawn says first AEW pay-per-view and I am not disappointed. Loved it. Uh Wink the Cosmic Grandma. Still one of my favorite names. My five-month anniversary since finding the channel. Danielson is the GOAT. He's pretty good. He is pretty good. Uh, Luther Angel, fantastic main event. And the rest of the show was mostly great, too. Who is next for MJF? Should it be Adam Cole? No. As I said, Adam Cole will come later on. It's going to be Hangman Page, I think. Uh, Ben the Big Guy. 921 became a sound off superstar what's going on ben you are now part of the green world order and uh, you have access to the special emojis there's bulu what's going on bulu uh uncanny exp with the five dollar super chat top to bottom great show flew by including the 60 minute main event that had me second guessing mjf retaining at certain points yeah, I mean, in, in the sudden death round, when uh, Danielson got that, that stack pin, they had me there for a split second. That's a good point, though, also about the match. You know, some of these Iron Man matches can really drag. Uh, this one never really felt like it was dragging, which, again, is a credit to both of them for keeping it interesting because, you know, 60 minutes, it'd be very interesting to be looking at, at the clock and kind of wishing it was over, but... It never, it never felt to me like it was dragging, like, oh my god, you know, we have, we still have 20 minutes left, we still have 30 minutes left. Uh, at no point did I feel that way watching the match. Uh, Dr. Dakota Scorpio, I will admit, my time prediction was off by 40 minutes. Just, uh, just a little off. It's a thank you, kind commish, for the new emojis. You are very welcome. Enjoy. Uh, Nick Grasso with the 499. Great show. Fantastic main event. I'm guessing Hangman is next. I really enjoyed both Jericho and Christian putting over the future. Sean B. The $18 Super Chat. The Darby match convinced me, but this match sealed the deal. MJF, top three wrestler at the moment. If he goes to WWE, I book the company around him over Theory, Roman, Cody, all of them. What say you? I don't want to say that I would book him over Roman, but I would definitely book him right alongside him. If uh, he was to go to WWE, you know, you throw as much money as needed to get him to come in. Again, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's locked up. Uh, but if you were to go to WWE, yeah, you strap the rocket to him and, I mean, shit, you can build at least one of the brands around him. He's right up there with Roman and Brock and Cody and, you know, the very, the very top guys in that company. Absolutely. How was he not? Uh, George, thank you for the five bucks. I appreciate that. Frank Aquilino with the 1992. Great show tonight. Jericho, Max, Brian showing how to be leaders and put over the newer stars. Chris Manson 
1999. Which New Japan star would you like to see MJF face at Forbidden Door? That's right. Forbidden Door, I believe, is um, June 24th. Is it's not officially announced, but that looks to be the date. I mean, you know, M- MJF against Okada, MJF against, uh, you know, I'm trying to think what the most appealing match would be based on the top of the New Japan card right now. You know what I think would be actually a really great match? I mean, MJF and Okada would be great. I'd rather get Okada and Brian Danielson. But if Danielson is going to get Zack Sabre Jr., which is the match they were going to do last year, and then Brian got hurt and they couldn't do it, we may get Okada and MJF. That could very well be the match. Champion against champion. Um, if not, I think that uh, MJF and Shingo would be a fine choice as well. Moroa says AEW always kills it with their pay-per-views. Tonight was no different. However, the buildup usually drags out. Do you think they would benefit from going to six pay-per-views a year and reset their stories every two months? No, you know, I, I, I like the fact that they only have the five shows. If, if you include Forbidden Door, it's five. Traditionally, it's four. I I don't think that needs to change. I, I kind of like that being the number. I just think that they have to just do a better job. You know, keeping, keeping things interesting and telling their stories on TV. I don't think that means, well, we, we just need more shows. Like, no, just do a better job week to week with your storytelling on television. I wouldn't change anything about the pay-per-view schedule. I think it's fine the way it is. Uh, George, again, with a five bucks. Missed my last chat, LOL. Uh, Are you a fan of Noah? What is your favorite Noah match, if so? Also, my match of the night is Mox and Hangman. What is your match of the night? Uh, Zizu, by the way, thank you for gifting that channel membership. You just gifted a membership to uh, Luis Marcel in the chat. Um, I I don't watch Pro Wrestling Noah. I don't have an outlet to, but uh, no, I don't keep track of it. I've seen Noah matches, uh, but I don't follow the product close enough to be able to tell you like what my favorite Noah match is. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed by Kiyomiya who is the uh, the GHC champion. And the match he had with Okada at the Tokyo Dome a few weeks ago I thought was fantastic. Uh, as far as my match of the night, it's got to be the Iron Man match. Uh, JB. Love the main event. Maybe the best match in AEW history. However, not a fan of Danielson tapping out to end it as opposed to passing out. I gotta disagree, man. I think that it actually enhanced it enhanced the match. It, it did uh, it did a lot for MJF that he was willing to do that. Uh, JM again. What can I say? JM always coming in strong when uh, when it matters most. Thank you for the one hundred dollar super chat bomb. Naughty, delicious chicken with flavor. I didn't watch AEW Revolution. If the show was awesome, good job, Tony Khan. Hopefully, AEW can improve building up their matches for double or nothing. Nick Grosso with the 1999. Glad Ruby turned. Who else joins for a blood and guts match? Thunder Rosa, Hikaru Shida, and maybe Riho 
for the Homegrown Girls and Mandy Rose and Taya Valkyrie for the Outsiders. Nah, I mean, I don't... Athena would have been great for that spot, but she's exclusively ROH now. I... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they need a blood and guts match. I mean, to me, again, I... And it's not a matter of male versus female. To me, it's just... You do one blood and guts match every year, and it should be the match with the most compelling story to. So, in a couple of months, if the women's story is somehow, you know, better than it is right now, well, then fine, you can do it with the ladies. If not, then give it to you know the the ten people who it makes sense to give it to. Whatever is going to make for the strongest story and the strongest match. With with this storyline right now, I'm not feeling a blood and guts match. I don't feel it's personal enough to warrant blood and guts. In a couple of months, maybe it'll get there. But right now, no, I wouldn't do a blood and guts match with the, with the ladies. Uh, Tyler with the 1999. I enjoyed the show tonight. I'll be at Dynamite this Wednesday. Looking forward to seeing what happens. Keep up the good work. Love your content. Tyler, thank you. And enjoy Dynamite on Wednesday. You're getting a TNT Championship match with Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow. Moroa, MJF was just asked about the kid he threw water on and replied, the kid looked thirsty. There you go. That's my champion right there. I love it. He did look a little parched. I think he did the kid a favor. I think he was just being nice. Uh, Fire Panda with the 20 bucks. So we have a stream from our amazing host. New stuff for the GWO. Uh, Hundy Bomb. And now we have the return of Bulu Fatu. Can the night get any better? Yeah, there could be a second Hundy Bomb. <laughs> the night could always get better. There's Bulu. Bulu with the $10 super chat. What's up, Solomon? Sir, been a minute. You still the best wrestling podcaster. Bulu. Thank you, brother. Uh, Frank Aquilino. Christian also being a leader, putting over a new star. His sleeveless turtleneck was the MVP of the night. That was quite the wrestling attire, I will say. I can't I just can't imagine that's comfortable to be sweating in, but to each their own. Uh, Jay Baker, back home from the show. Crowd was hot for the main event. Glad this was my first live AEW show. My section was full of MJF fans and booed Danielson. But we couldn't really hear it, if so. I didn't hear any boos for Danielson. Uh, Bulu says, LA Knight and MJF in promo in a promo war would be fire. I agree. Wow, we are 25 likes away from 700 likes. Can we get there? Can we can we get to the 700 mark? Uh, Justin Smith, MJF deserves an award for safety. That poor kid was suffering from dehydration. MJF recognized the signs and solved the problem. See? He was just being a, uh, a good Samaritan. There's Perk Angle. Perk Angle, by the way, one of the new emojis. So uh, Perk can be with us every week. Uh, how many new members have we gotten over the past week? Quite a few. <laughs> Quite a few. We actually set our uh, all-time membership record on... 
uh, was either Wednesday or Thursday. But I want to get that number even higher. We're actually getting very close to 500 members. So with your support in these next few weeks, maybe we'll get there. But uh, we have we have picked up quite a few. Uh, Jimmy White. Great show overall. Not a fan of Hangman's entrance version of Ghost Riders in the Sky. The Spider Bite version is really good, though. Well, you won't have to worry because he was only using it for the one night. Uh, Motif with the 499 was at the show live. Took some acid before, which made for an unforgettable experience. Hell of a crowd, hell of a main event. AEW Revolution on acid, huh? I'm sure that must have been quite an experience, actually. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm tripping on acid every time I watch one of those Bray Wyatt segments on SmackDown. Uh Bulu Fatulu, Mike Armentrout against Rip from Yellowstone. Keep or delete. You know, I haven't watched Yellowstone yet. I, I probably should. I hear great things about it. Uh, but uh, Mike, I mean, Mike is the best. Mike is the best. I mean, is, is there a better television character than Mike Armentrout? From uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, Maroa says, what's next for the Elite? I feel Kenny and the Young Bucks are wasted in the trios division. Hope Young Bucks go for the tag team titles while Kenny battles for the AEW title. You know, of, of all the names of potential challengers that I mentioned before for MJF, I didn't even mention Kenny Omega. You know, you can throw him in there too. But uh, he's not going to go after the title anytime soon, I don't think. Again, I, I like the idea that I mentioned about uh, doing something with him and Malachi Black. Or even doing something with him and Takeshita. Either one of those, I think, would be fantastic. Uh, Rizzo with the five bucks. Good crowd shot from WWE when Orton had the screwdriver in Hardy's ear, uh, ear piercing. Uh, ear piercing, rather. Worst crowd shot, obviously Edge's return in 2020. You know, the AJ Styles debut at the Royal Rumble in 2016, that was pretty bad too. Although that wasn't a crowd shot. That was just, I don't know I don't know what Kevin Dunn was thinking. I don't know what they were thinking. AJ Styles comes out and they keep the camera on Roman Reigns. <laughs> Unbelievable. Roman's reaction was more important than actually getting a shot of the guy who was making his debut. Amazing. Uh, Rizzo says, also, Tony Khan is going to have to decide what to do with Punk very quickly. I know, I now think he is coming back. Uh, he's definitely, uh, what's going on? What is this? Oh, GCC. I couldn't tell who that was. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely, uh, he's going to have to make a decision very soon. And, uh, I think that there is a... I think there's a better than 50% chance that Punk is going to come back. Oz and Glorious. I was there. Kid and his mom were very upset. AEW sent two liaisons to smooth it over via several free merch items and a replacement drink. Uh, I'm sure Tony Khan is going to be having a conversation with MJF after. Uh, the Barf Nuggets, 24 with the 999. 
I was at the show tonight, really electric crowd in the arena. That running knee during the sudden death portion of the match really made me think they would do a title change. That was the best part. Uh, the Data and Boys podcast with the four ninety nine super chat. Join late, so not sure if you mentioned it, but do you have a problem with beating the champion three times? Uh, five if you count the taps that did not count. Um, I don't in this case just because you could argue there's you know there's strategy to it. Like when he got himself intentionally disqualified, you know you go into the match and you know that you've got sixty minutes. And so if you're in a submission hold and you're in the middle of the ring, you have nowhere to go. Instead of potentially being injured, what do you do? You tap out, right? You have time to make a comeback. So you tap out, you come back later on. So the psychology of an Ironman match, you kind of know that going in. So it doesn't bother me as much. But if MJF went on television next week and got pinned, right? In a, non, in, in a one of these, um, what do they call them? Uh, an eliminator match. That would upset. Uh, we got Gary. Gary Cause Chuck is with us with the $7 Super Chat. Haven't missed the podcast since 2016, but rarely here for the streams. Considered this a bribe to get that Crown Jewel Championship off of Charles Mason. Thank you, Kamish. Well, he's going to be defending that Crown Jewel Championship this Friday. Against who? I have to wait and see. But uh, thank you, Gary. Emiliana with the five bucks says, uh, Hello, Solomonster. Hope you're having a great stream. I am. Always fun hanging out with you guys. Came in to say that I love the Texas Deathmatch in the main event. Pay per view was great. Uh, Havili Brain. And I will not even attempt to say that because I will butcher it, but he's got a uh, super chat here. Why Tori never joined DX whenever they reunited? Uh, Tori was never a real member of DX, though. You know, she, she was never really recognized as like a legitimate member. Uh, I don't know if she's on bad terms with the company. She hasn't ever made any sort of cameo or anything. I think she just moved on from the wrestling business. Uh, Drew McIncock, hell of a show. AEW for the win. Shin super kick your eye out, Akuma. When you realize both members of the Blackpool Combat Club tapped out tonight, insane. Thought crazy Iron Man match, or insane thought, he said. Crazy Iron Man match, one thing. Hail the GWO. Uh, Vitamin Vision TV with the $10 super chat. Having kept up with AEW as of late, but I enjoyed the pay-per-view. What's up with the, all the entrance theme music changes? Uh, do you prefer the AEW original themes or these themes? Too many theme changes for me. Yeah, I like the original themes, but it was only a few. I mean, it wasn't like the majority of the show was like that. So, you know, when you have a pay-per-view, and WWE does the same thing sometimes, when you do a pay-per-view, you know, I think it's okay to have a uh, special entrance for some people. Uh, Darth Panic, I think you covered this, but why does AEW have such Jekyll and Hyde booking? Also, based on all the GWO in the chat, it's time for some t-shirts. I think I may, I think I may have to. I think I may have to jump on that. 
Um, as far as the AEW booking, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think Tony Khan is constantly rotating out talent and thinks that it's okay to, you know, take people off television for certain periods of time. But what ends up happening is, you know, you cool down certain people. And then there are also certain situations that we don't know about where there may be an injury. You know, you, you say, well, why is this guy not on TV? And then, you know, a month and a half later, we find out that they were they were hurt, right? And then they come back. But AEW doesn't share any of that information. They keep everything very quiet and very close to the vest. So sometimes it's hard to know the reasons why people will disappear from television. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and it also, frankly, could be that Tony Khan is also burning himself out. He could be burning the candle at both ends. Hey, David. David Zapata just became a channel subscriber. Welcome, David. I mean, think about all the things that Tony Khan is doing, right? Even the non-wrestling stuff. And and then just the wrestling stuff. You got Dynamite. You got Rampage. Now he's got Ring of Honor. I mean, he's he's got a lot on his plate. And uh, I don't know that that's necessarily such a good thing. Uh, HBK C83. Awesome main event. Really good show overall. Enjoyed it while at work tonight. Have a Mets-related question. Do you think the Mets have the most pressure in baseball to win the World Series this year? I think the Mets have uh, pressure on them to win the World Series every year. Every year that they don't win is more pressure the following year. So, yeah, I think they do. Especially with the money that Steve Cohen has spent on this roster. Do the Mets have the highest payroll in baseball? I think they do. I think the Mets have the highest payroll in baseball. So yes, <laughs> they have a lot of, they have a lot of pressure on them. Uh, big fat Polly dropping five bucks. Long term, Darby has to be the one to dethrone MJF, right? Ah, boy, you know, I think I'm looking at Darby or Ricky Starks. I'm looking at one of those two, I think. Uh, God of Seduction, will MJF be a survivor like JBL? Is he more savvy? I don't know what you mean. MJF is nothing like JBL. That's a good thing. Uh, Adam Hayden, welcome to the channel. Uh, Oz and Glorious, Lalo Salamanca is better than Mike Armentrout. Lalo is great, but I can't put him above Mike. Yeah, Mets have the highest payroll by well over 50 million. Okay, well, (laughs) there you go. I would say they have a lot of pressure on them. Uh, GCC305 with the 10 bucks. Apparently, the kid who got water thrown on him was a shoot, and the mom was legitimately mad that uh, Brody Lee's wife had to come out to speak with both the mom and the kid uh, since she works for AEW, from what I heard. Yeah, no, uh, Brody Brody's uh, widow works, I think, in their community relations department, I think. So, yeah, she, she definitely works for the company now. Uh, Food Hive, I skipped The Last of Us for Revolution. Uh, Side note, to the haters of the show because it isn't like games can suck it. Just go play the game again, it is there. 
There it is. That is from Food Hive. Y'all have to catch up with The uh, Last of Us tomorrow. Loose Cannon was there for all three Dynamite Wednesday, Rampage, and Revolution. This was the best wrestling week for me, and AEW pay-per-views always deliver. Main event was excellent. Thanks for all the great work. Thank you. God First says, How is MJF nothing like JBL? Same persona. Scarf? It is not the same persona. He has a scarf. He has a scarf. Okay, so so what? That makes him uh, JBL all of a sudden? Uh, Loose Cannon, thank you very much, though, for the uh, 10 bucks. And Darth Panic, could the kid's mom bring a lawsuit against AEW? Seems like folks will sue you over anything these days. And uh, have you ever had altercations at Hog? I have not. Um, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, the mom could, could do whatever she wants. I'm sure that's why they sent, you know, that that's why they sent uh, Brody's wife out there to kind of calm down and defuse the situation. Um, it's different, you know, when you're a fan in the crowd, it's just, it's different when you're at the show with your kid and some people might not see it the way that uh, you know that we see it, where we see that on TV and we kind of laugh at it. If it's your, if it's your child, and your child is very upset by what happened, then yeah, the parents the parents are not going to be too happy. And Winston Smith, have you ever been to Wrigley Field? You're mad the Cubs won before the Mets. I'm not mad. I've not been to Wrigley Field. I would love to actually be to Wrigley Field. I've been to Chicago, but uh, I did not have time to uh, visit Wrigley when I was there. But I I would have loved to. But uh, no, I've not been to Wrigley. I've been to the ballpark in uh, Philly when I was there for uh, Money in the Bank back in 2013. I went to the stadium there. I I forgot the name of it. Um, and I was actually wearing a Met shirt and, uh, boy, that was a, that was an interesting experience going to a Phillies game in my Mets gear. I feared for my life. Uh, thank you guys for the, uh, the super chats. Uh, that was great. And uh, a lot of new channel members to that as well. So welcome to all of you. So we got 720 likes, which was, uh, well over the minimum goal for tonight. So thank you for helping us uh, hit our goal. And thank you for helping us unlock Be the Booker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to Be the Booker. There is your AEW World Champion, currently the very controversial MJF, who upset a mother and her young child tonight. Because that is what heels do. But as I said, if you are a parent and uh, somebody puts their hands on your kid or throws something at your child, he's lucky that uh, mother didn't take a swing at him. Let's uh, kick things off here with the men's be the booker. Since you guys earned it. And uh, we kick things off here with the reigning United States champion. The man who will very likely be wrestling John Cena. In fact, he'll be confronting John Cena in less than 24 hours on Monday Night Raw, Austin Theory. 
People talk about MJF being the future. MJF being the uh, the face of AEW. Austin Theory may end up being the face of WWE before long. Austin Theory. Some uh, fantasy warfare here going one-on-one with Brock Lesnar. Well, we all know how that would go, right? German suplex, German suplex, German suplex. Breathe. German suplex. F5. He did. There it is. I just gave you the narration for the match. Gonna have to do better than that. Let's try on the uh, lady side here. Kick things off here with <laughs> drowsy old Linda McMahon. Poor drugged up Linda. Look at her. Look at her. That's like my face watching Raw on Monday night. Poor drugged up Linda McMahon. Who is Linda McMahon going to be getting into the ring with? Linda McMahon, the great professional wrestler that she is, one-on-one with Stacey Keebler. Well, you know, for such a for such a great stream that we were having, we are having a shitty Be the Booker. Holy crap. Oh my goodness. What is going on here? Let's let's try to end on a positive note. Give us a uh, give us a tag team. Here we go. Former tag team champions, the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, and Typhoon. Look how happy Earthquake is. What a happy guy. Earthquake and Typhoon get to take on Rob Van Dam and Sabu. There's an interesting uh, clash of styles. Earthquake and Typhoon against RVD and Sabu. And it's just interesting enough that I have to give it the bell. I have to give it the bell. That's a very unique match. I would like to see that tag team match. It's too bad. So many wrestling fans will never know the greatness of John Tenta in his youth. Although I've always said when when Earthquake debuted on television back in 89, I guess it would have been, it's amazing. You go back and look at him when he debuted. He was, I think, 25 years old. He was 25 years old going on 40. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Some people would say the opposite about me, but with him... He uh, he definitely looked older than he was when he feuded with Hogan. He earthquake when he feuded with Hogan, I think was like twenty five or twenty six. It's crazy. Uh, GCC with the ten dollars super chat. I know you just answered it, so this is more of a follow up. Since it's not a situation where the fan attacked the talent, could a lawsuit still be considered? Thank you for your reviews. Yeah, I mean a lawsuit could always be considered. A very litigious society that we live in. So anything's possible. Hopefully the situation will be taken care of and uh, everybody will be everybody will be happy. 
Yeah, believe it or not. Believe it or not, 10 to, 10 to, I'm pretty sure he was 25. If he wasn't 25, he was right around there when he feuded with Hogan in 90. So, And and Arn Anderson, I mean, I think he was born, uh, I think when he was born, he was uh, about 42 with a beard. Pretty sure he came out of the womb that way. That's why his mom was all itchy and everything. Why, why am I so itchy? Like crotch itch? Because he was born with a beard. My apologies to the mother of Arn Anderson. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Leave me alone. Anyway, uh, if you missed the podcast earlier, uh, good show today, episode 798 of The Sound Off. If you missed it, uh, it will be there for you to download. First thing in the morning, we cover a lot of stuff. Uh, AEW stuff, WWE stuff, Sonya Deville being arrested, Goldberg thinking he's owed a retirement match by WWE, and uh, my review of the of the brand new, new and improved Ring of Honor show. Yes, yeah, Steve says Steve says he he came out of the womb armed 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 Anderson. Yes, he came out of the womb with a Glock. Uh, Richie says, favorite Stacey Keebler wrestling move. I don't think Stacey Keebler had a wrestling move. Did she have a move? Did she have a signature move? I could probably count on one hand the number of times Stacey Keebler even wrestled. Will Goldberg put someone over in his last match? He should. I think he should. Of course, I, I could also go without a match altogether. Uh, but if he's going to have one, then he should put over Braun Breaker. That would be the match to do. Once uh, once Braun is called up and he's established for a little while on the main roster, you maybe come back WrestleMania next year. You want to you know put him in a big marquee match. There you go. Goldberg puts him over. Brandon says he won't. Well, you may be right, but uh, if that's the case, then uh, I don't think we need a. Goldberg retire. Honestly, you know, the the perfect retirement match, maybe not opponent, but, you know, match would have been the SummerSlam match he had with Dolph Ziggler. You know, he looked like a beast. He looked like the Goldberg of old in that match. Cut that man in half with that spear. That would have been the perfect retirement for him. But he had to keep going. I guess he had more matches on his deals, so... Uh, OJ, yeah, I think he, I think Braun gets called up. I think Braun loses the title at Stand and Deliver. And I think he gets called up, you know, if not right after Mania, within, within a couple of months. I, I think so. All right, guys, look, this has been uh, a lot of fun. We have gone two hours on the dot. It is, uh, after 2 a.m., getting late. So, uh, I will let you go. I think we, we covered all the, uh, stuff tonight that needed to be covered. Uh, again, an excellent show overall. I enjoyed it and uh, very much enjoyed that main event. I hope you enjoyed this stream. I hope you enjoy all the streams, and I hope all of our new channel members enjoy their new uh, badges and emojis and that you will come back, uh, actually, I guess, uh, tomorrow night. We're going to be live again for the Monday Night Raw stream. So as soon as Raw goes off the air, John Cena is back, right? So we'll talk about the return of John Cena, Logan Paul, everyone's favorite. He'll be on Raw. 
talk about that. And uh, Richie says, better heel, MJF or Triple H? I, you know, it's hard to put one over the other. I, I think MJF has uh, mastered the art of being a heel only, only because it's almost like a lost art, just as good as he is at it. Um, I still might go with Triple H, but it's it's close. And God of Seduction, do we see MJF against Wardlow down the line? MJF can avenge his ten power bomb. Uh, public humiliation. MJF needs a uh, needs to tread lightly with fans. Lawsuits are very real. He does need to be careful. Uh, but yes, Wardlow, there's unfinished business there. So yes, MJF and Wardlow, you could definitely come back to that down the line. Kingsman, are you not a fan of Logan Paul? He says he's not going to be watching Raw. Well, even if you don't watch Raw, I hope you'll come back and watch the stream. You don't have to watch Raw. You don't have to watch Raw. Just come watch me. I'll I'll uh, take care of Raw for you. All right, let me go uh, check out what happened at the Scrum tonight. And uh, I will be back with you for the Raw review again in uh, less than 24 hours. Thank you for all the super chats and all the love. You guys are awesome. And uh, I will see you guys tomorrow night. Take care.